Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, here with Forever Buff Ryan Moeller. I'm sure you probably listened to the Catching Up with podcast we did with Ryan over the summer, and he joined us after the season opener. The reason Ryan has not been on the podcast since then, some big things going on in his life. Got married, went on a honeymoon. Ryan, uh, before we get into the negative talk that we can't avoid talking um, about the CU football team. Uh, break down the wedding. G- give us the, the main highlights from the event. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. The execution was there. <laughs> it, it, uh, it all came uh, with uh, great planning, um, you know, owed to my my wife um, and, and her family and, and, of course, my family. And much like football, there's plenty of things that go into game day and game day being the wedding for us and, um, you know, execution was definitely there and something I'll never forget. We, uh, we're doing, she does social media stuff and, um, in influencing, I say that was some quotation marks, but just sharing the stories and everything. And, um, went by so fast, but it feels different. feels good. Happy to have it done and get our life started all over again. Remind me, where did you guys go on your honeymoon? Yeah. We, so we went to Maui. We did what we could afford, and it turns out that uh, there are a lot of uh, other people that thought that we deserved to experience some stuff in Maui, and man, was it fun. Got to do a helicopter tour, did a luau, sunset sail, even got to golf while I was out there, so super happy about it. I, the best way I can describe it was like getting ready for game day for with CU or in the pros and everything. I mean, you get the anticipation a little bit. It's like a, a Saturday evening game. So you have all day to watch the other games go and <laughs> you're just waiting, you know, to, to, you know, go shine out there yourself. And we certainly did. And, um, wow. Was it a blast? I, I wish I could relive it every day. That's awesome. And Thanks we were trying asking. to yeah, we were trying to figure out a time for the podcast. He said, well, I'm going to check with my wife. And I, yeah, uh, yeah. Ryan's really knocking this out of the park. He, he's already yeah, no, it it's, out. Uh, whether it's, uh, she's, she's pretty much the head coach of the household. So, um, <clears throat> you know, got to check with them first. We'll see. You might need a new head coach soon. We'll get into that later, yeah, but, man. uh, were, were you able to at least take a break from, from CU? Uh, I hope you didn't tune into the Air Force debacle and, and what happened out at Minnesota. Did, did you take a little break? I I was there with them through and through, wherever oh, wow. I'm at. I'm watching. I'm there in support. Um, that, that'll that'll ruin the Maui experience pretty quick, though. Oh, yeah. No, definitely didn't. Um, the The beautiful thing about Maui is, um, you know, I think it's a four-hour time difference between you know mountain time and where we are out there on the on the island time, right? So waking up on on Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Thursday, Maddie gets upset because I say, you know, it's not fair. I only get to watch football five days out of the week this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I get to wake up seven a.m. out there. There's already football on, and the football games are are well in in so. I did like that part, but it did bring me back to when we played Hawaii back in my tenure and um, time difference is there. And then obviously you always travel back right after the game. So it was beautiful, but you know, I'd like to see some wins. <laughs> I think we all would at this point, or yeah. even just a competitive football game at this point, Colorado, right. the lone power five program without a win this season, CSU and Georgia state are also 0 four, but CU's minus 126 point differential is the worst 
among those three defeated squads. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, obviously CU's had a tough schedule. So that, that's a little bit of a part of that, but only a, a little part of it. And this is just the ninth time in program history the Buffs are owned for. The last time they did that was in 2006. Ryan, you were part of some teams that were trying to figure things out early right. during the Mike McIntyre era, but it was kind of a building feeling, wasn't it, at that time? It, it probably felt different than the way mm-hmm. these CU players are feeling year three with Carl Durrell. Uh, what, what do you think these CU football players are, are dealing with right now? A lot of hurt. It hurts, man. can definitely relate to what these boys are going through. And it's, it's really tough to, to rebuild. It's always mm-hmm. tough to rebuild. It's tough to have to convince yourself of a bigger picture at times, um, especially when you can't see the forest through the trees or it does seem very bleak. It's easy to think about the negative because, okay, end of the day, we got an L on the board. If you just look at the numbers at the end of the day, too, you just you see uh, more or less just a big butt whooping. But some credit to those boys, there were some some silver linings in this game. But obviously, you got to look at the film and you got to be able to take uh, critiques and you got to be able to be very honest with yourself. There's play out there that I see, and it doesn't take a a trained eye either to see lack of things. And for some of those things, you know, particularly I'm I'm talking about effort, and that's something that's been harped upon uh, previously. And even players have gone or when they've been interviewed in the media. They have said, you know, it's disheartening to see your, your, your teammates quit, roll over, if you will, on each other. And, um, you know, when you, when you don't, maybe if, if you don't think you have the talent or you guys aren't quite there yet, there's always effort. There's always those things that you can control, right? And you can make sure that, uh, you know, you, have, you can't worry about what you can't control is really, really what I'm trying to say. And what you can't control is effort. And uh, I will say it takes effort to roll over, too. So from what I remember about those early Mike McIntyre seasons, you guys yeah. were pretty competitive in a lot of those losses, you know, especially as you were yeah. getting closer to 2016. Right. Th- that's the tough part of what, by watching the CU football team right now is it, it, it's not one or two things. It's a lot of things. And they're so far away from being competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, they rank last among power five programs in both scoring offense and scoring defense. Yeah. And as a result, rank dead last in scoring margin. Carl Durrell's first year, they go four now out the gate, surprise everybody. It was such a strange year with COVID. Uh-huh. And then Nate Landman goes down and you start to see, okay, the depth is an issue on this team. Yeah. And then last year, the defense is competitive, but the offense was among the worst in program history. And then this year, now you've ventured into among the worst in program history in both sides of the ball. So uh-huh. it, it's not going in the right direction. Whereas yeah. the Mike McIntyre era early on was at least trending in, in a positive mm-hmm. direction. So that's what makes it so difficult. I guess though, the one thing you take away from yesterday is that Owen McCown looks the part in his first start at CU. He was grinding. He yeah. Was grinding. Yeah. And that's the, the earliest start in a season by any true freshman in quarterback history. I looked at pro football focuses grades and I, I take those with a grain of salt, but he had a really poor grade there. And, and I, I think there's so much for him to build on, but yeah, the, the, for me, it was just the body language that he had there. He looked comfortable playing the position, whereas 
early mm-hmm. the season, JT Shroud, and then throughout much of Brendan Lewis's time here yeah. at CU, he's not looked comfortable. What, what were your main takeaways watching him in his first action at CU? Opportunity is something that sticks out to me. Um, you know, it, his, his father is uh, successful in his own nature as well. Um, and <clears throat> I saw him go out there and I, you got to have some sort of a swagger to you too, you know, not so you, you can get lost in the idea of swagger of, Oh, you got to have a visor and you got to do this or that. What I'm really talking about with swagger is that confidence. And I did see confidence in him and his abilities to keep plays alive, right. Um, move around, try and be as comfortable as he could with the pre- everything that was in his face. Um, and you know, the opportunity was there for him and his teammates, his offensive teammates, you know, to, to step up with him. Right. I think that he distributed and showed promise of leadership potential. You got to see how that maybe will come to fruition or not. Um, But given the team an opportunity to, get those seven yard chunks, get those 15 yard chunks, even bigger plays. Um, now there's another thing that, that happened with that was where they weren't coming down with the ball, hitting them in the hands. Mm-hmm. Got it. You, we understand being stretched out or maybe you can only get one hand on it. That's a different realm than both hands on the ball. Right. Um, I didn't see, I don't see a lot of discipline. Um, and doing the little things right. Now, that was something that McIntyre had preached and really harped on early on. And, and typically with a situation like McIntyre, <clears throat> and you would see with a new coach um, from season one to season three would be improvement, right? Meaning you're, you're taking care of the little things, the tangibles that you can uh, control um, and not backsliding like maybe we've started to see or not, I wouldn't even say started, but we're seeing come to fruition here with CU um you want to make money playing football <laughs> you got your receiver you got to hold on you got to catch the football if you're a running back you got to hold on to the football you know and you have to fight for those yards right uh, line d line you have to push right you have to show promise there and um you know just things that i saw that all around they weren't connecting now we can give them a, a little bit of a break New quarterback, don't know how many of the the reps these guys have really had together in the past. Obviously, he was a true freshman starter. I can't imagine he was rocking with the ones very often earlier. Not not until this past week, yeah. Right. Okay. So so the what the what the point is is like uh, you know you, you turn on football on Sunday, Aaron Rodgers and then uh, younger receiving core struggling to connect, timing, um, attention to detail. I saw a lot of that with those guys, but they, uh, they 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 started to come around towards the end of the game. So with that, I can say timing might have been off, but they started to improve. But here's the thing. It shouldn't really matter who's in there. Is If they're getting it to your hands, you should come down with it. So it's, don't make the game bigger, right, than it is. You, you, have, you have set assignments. You have keys. You have your own objectives you must complete in order for everyone to be successful, right? It's not just one, it's not one man on a mat, like in wrestling, you know, you have 11 one-on-one battles out there and you need to win your one-on-one battle. And sometimes the biggest one-on-one battle is you and yourself, right? 
And, and that means coming down with the ball. That means deflecting that pass. That means wrapping up and successfully tackling. A lot of work to be done, um, but things are not looking very bright at the moment. Were you redshirting when Sefo Lufau got thrown into the mix uh, early in his, his career? Mm-hmm. He had that game against UCLA where everybody kind of took notice of his toughness. Yeah. And it seemed, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seemed like that that was a moment where his teammates could really rally behind this guy and they yeah. were going to have his back. And then this offense was obviously looking for a spark. Do you think Owen McCown's moxie out there that he showed was enough yet for the guys to kind of rally behind him? What, what do you think he needs to show to really get uh, all his teammates? I think that, that was a great word choice there. I mean, I, I would certainly say that that could that could give them a good lifeblood, right? You need someone who's going to go out there and fight with you and not give up on you. Uh, thinking back to Sefo, that's that's something that you you couldn't take away from him was his effort and his toughness. Now that doesn't that's not the same for for everyone out there. They don't have the same intangibles, right? Um, but I think he got a, a, do- a little dose of reality, and he's got a. Uh, few figures ahead of him to to bounce things off of and and figure out what he needs to do to be able to be successful and take things to the next level so um depends on his mindset but you know you you saw some shimmering hope um some silver linings with him there um another one the uh hankerson the running back yeah anthony hankerson yep i loved what i saw out of him in his effort um to say no to being tackled by the first touch, you know, it doesn't, it, it does, it, gosh, you just keep harping on the same stuff, like effort, right? Um, resiliency. The problems are in the locker room and they're in the film room. I've got a few more notes from uh, the game yesterday. Then we'll kind of get a little bit yeah. more into our thoughts just on where the coaching is on this team. Cause sure. that's the, the hot topic. Yeah. Uh, going back to Owen McCown, he had 258 yards passing. You mentioned the drops. I mean, probably should have had close to 300, if not 300 yards in the game. And uh, I think at that point, too, you could assume that they would have uh, maybe 20 something points. Yeah. And, you know, he's going to get the kitchen sink thrown at him going forward. It, it's not going to get any easier for, for Owen McCown. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how other teams try to throw him off his game. But this is uh, just the eighth time in the modern era since World War II that three quarterbacks have started games for CU in the same season. That last happened back in 2012 when Jordan Webb, Nick Hirschman, and Connor Wood all yeah. started games. Right. Uh, this is the quickest that they've had three quarterbacks start for the yeah. Buffs in, in a season. So obviously uh, they've been searching for answers there. It's got to be Owen McCown going forward, right? Based on what we've seen so well, far. Yeah, I I would say it it would probably be a safe bet from the lifeblood that we did see on Saturday that moving forward he would be named starter next game. Um, I think it's something you take week to week. Don't know what's going on at practice or in the film room, off the field, whatever. Um, but I'm I'm with you on that one where I think it would be a safe bet that you could expect Owen McCown to start against Arizona. Um, and then maybe even after that, if he continues to show progress and promise, um, you know, you, you got to start delivering. Um, and these coaches feel that too, obviously. Um, and these boys do as well. So it's, uh, 
that's a result result based business. You know, if you're not get, if you're not you're not getting it done, you're you're not gonna play. And uh, you know, I think Owen earned himself another start, to say the least. Also, a first start for defense alignment Chance Main, running back Charlie Offerdahl, receiver Chase Sowell, and linebacker Mister Williams. With McCown, Sowell, and Van Wells all starting, it marked the first time there have been three true freshmen starting a game on offense since back yeah. in 2008. And uh, you even had a walk-on punter, Trent Carrizoza, come in there and play. Mm-hmm. That was his first action with the Buffs. You mentioned Hankerson. That was his first action at CU coming yeah. back from a, a soft tissue injury, a hamstring injury that he dealt with during camp. And then tight end Louis Passarella also saw his first career yeah. action on Saturday. So after the game, Carl Durrell was asked, what would you tell frustrated CU fans? And he said that, I would tell them we're young and we're going to get better. And it is true on offense. Like I just mentioned, there are a lot of true freshmen that are playing for the Buffs right now. But on the other side of the ball, which is just as big, if not becoming a bigger issue for this football team, is the defense. And their run defense has been atrocious all year. Now they've had tough tests week after week. Uh, Air Force is always tough. Minnesota is one of the best. We saw them put it on. Minnesota went out to Michigan State, put it on them. UCLA has a really talented back. Charbonnet is an all-conference mm-hmm. candidate. So it's been tough tests, but we expected the front seven for CU to be the strength of this team. And that was largely based on the fact that they've got so many fourth, fifth, and even sixth-year guys there because of COVID not counting against eligibility. you got guys that have been around a long time that wouldn't even – you know, a Terrence Lang, a Josh – Chandler Semedo, those guys wouldn't even mean college football if it wasn't for that extra year. And so that group in their struggles, to me at least, has signaled more of a coaching issue. Now, Josh Semedo, he wanted to defend his coaches with the media, and I totally respect that. That's certainly a man stepping up and saying, look, put this on me, don't put it on my coaches, which is what you want in a guy that's a leader in your locker room. But watching this team play, it's – to me, it's not necessarily the the players at this point. That scheme makes it look like they're defending with 10 guys out there. At least it did mm-hmm. yesterday against UCLA. What what are your thoughts on their defensive struggles? Well, if we want to start at the front, right, front seven, um, the down linemen, um, they're lining up one, one and a half yards off the ball. That's an easy yard. That turns uh, three. what could have been a three-yard down to four yards or five, and then, you know, so on and so forth. Um, let's talk about alignment and assignment and execution, right? I mean, if you're not aligned right, you're not going to, you're not going to be in the right place. If you're, if you're, if you're supposed to be at 10 yards and you're at, at safety in certain coverage and you're at 12 or you're at eight, you're not doing what your coach to be doing. Um, again, not in the, in the film room, but you wonder why are you guys so far off? Um, and it historically, what I know about teams is that when the attention to detail alignment, assignment, you know, job title, all that goes into, uh, effect there when you're on the field, uh, it comes down to what happens in the film room. That's where you learn, you go out and execute on the field. Uh, but you get so many more mental reps, um, and you get so much better by, you know, checking yourself in the film room um, and doing everything that you need to be doing to make sure you're prepared. Lining up a yard or a yard and a half off the ball is not going to get it done. You're going to get whooped, right? 
Um, and then you talk about run defense, right? And the run defense and that, in that scheme, in every scheme, you have a gap, you have an assignment. Um, and if you aren't fulfilling your gap, someone else, that means you probably have two people in one gap. You know, I saw many a time, um, the contained player not be disciplined enough on the edge to shuffle down, close the edge down and make the quarterback make the decision on the play action or the the run option. And they just decide, I'm just going to go try and make a play. I'm just going to go, I'm going to be selfish about it. I'm not going to be disciplined about what I'm doing. Crashes down, gives uh, Robinson, um, that quarterback, <laughs> a free run for 12 yards, 15 yards. That's a gash. you got to stay in your position and do your job. And if you can trust the guy next to you to do your job, then you guys can have that sound capability. But what I see on the field from then is uh, I see a bunch of individuals. And when they're not being an individual who's giving effort to try and make a play, but they're not doing their job, then they're just, I said it earlier, uh, chest bump in another podcast that we had done earlier this season. They're just chest bumping. They're not giving effort to give a push. You know, you can turn on the TV and any and all of the other successful programs, the the front five, the front four, and the front seven getting their hands up. They're 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 sound in their in their gap responsibilities. They're sound in their assignments. Um, they're disruptive, and you know when they're getting a push, maybe they're not getting through their gap on their rush, but they're driving, and then they get their hands in the air. Uh, you know, muddying up those throwing lanes for that quarterback. Uh, <laughs> are you playing t-ball? Like you just get you're giving them the free hit. Uh, I don't I don't see how that that benefits you. Um, and maybe they're just trying to get through the year. Um, that's something that's worrisome, you know, it's just kind of hard to think about where things are right now. And I can't believe we're talking about CU like this. Um, but the, the tackling is so bad. It is so bad. Can't make any money if you can't tackle. And as you're listing off these things, I mean, again, it's not one or two things. It's, it's hard to envision this getting fixed in season, right? I mean, isn't that something that almost needs to be corrected back when you have camp and you're working with these guys? Well, every that's, day? Well, yeah, that's exactly why you have camp. And if this, you'd wonder if you didn't know about CU, if this was the head coach's first season, you know, um, I've had, I've had minimal interactions with uh, Dorrell. Uh, quiet seems calculated. Um, but I don't know about the rest of the staff either. And I don't know if they're, if they're trying to light the fire underneath these boys, butts, um, or if they're just coaxing egos or, or what's going on. But I'll tell you what, um, when, uh, we were with Jim Levitt and we had Jim Jeffcoat and Mike Bear and we had, uh, Tumpkin, Clark, a whole slew of coaches, when we were given that effort, it's because we knew we knew they had our back and they knew that we had theirs. When we were doing punishment, they were running with us. They're sitting there with us. Telling us, we know this is hard and this sucks. This is what we have to do. Um, and, you know, there's trust and there was there was loyalty. I just it doesn't seem like there is that from those players. 
Um, so I, it seems like to me that maybe they're getting lost. Um, the coaches are losing them and they're losing their, the faith of the boys. Um, specifically, and I'll, I'll keep, I will probably tie it back for the rest of the season, but effort and taking care of the small things. Those are things that you can, you can handle and you can take care of and you can worry about and, and doing your job. And, um, you know, you're not going to, Tom Brady doesn't go out there and, and try and pass block. You know, and I I think leadership is something that they're yearning for, honestly. Another area that signals issues with the coaching is the fact that their halftime adjustments have not been working. CU's been outscored 41 to zero in the third quarter this season, and the Buffs have been outscored 92 to 21 in the second half of those first four games. And, and the 21 points for CU have come against you know second third stringers for the other team when it's yeah. in garbage time what does halftime look like for a player what what do you think is the difference between a successful and an unsuccessful team coming out of the locker room at halftime well just like you said adjustments you know you, you'd think with what we've seen production wise or lack thereof that they would just be playing four quarters straight it comes from the box right what they're seeing up there talking to the players players being able to see recognize uh, formations, what they're doing, and how uh, quarters isn't going to cover this. <laughs> and how, um, you know, what what they're doing isn't working. You know, the, the score at halftime when you come out is 0-0 is how you should view it. Um, and it's a whole new game. It's a whole, it's a whole new game to be played. It, it should look in the locker room. They should be having their meetings. They should, they should, you know, you only get so much time and I know they, they've shortened halftime. So it's oh so important, even more so now to be able to sit down with your DBs, your linebackers, uh, your D line, and then offensively too, with your position groups and, and, and make these adjustments. But I don't see adjustments just like you don't see adjustments. And ideally, you know, that fall, what staff are you putting in the, in the box and, and what are they doing in the box other than just throwing their headsets and, and spitting sunflower seeds? Um, you know, it's frustrating all across the board and I get it, but this is your job to make adjustments for a game plan. Um, so that makes me wonder if the right people are in the right positions. Um, and I don't believe, um, that this staff at this point and even at halftime is doing much to put their boys, um, in a position for success or an opportunity to at least have a chance at success. You know, that's, you, you want to look back to, uh, oh, that horrible game uh, in 2017 against uh, Arizona. The backup, uh, Khalil Tate came in. We just kept running quarters for crying out loud. Just running quarters. I mean, the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. And, um, you know, you got to kind of look yourself in the mirror and what are we not doing? And uh, I don't even know if they're even doing anything at halftime instead of just giving the boys Rice Krispies and Gatorade. So they have a road contest coming up against Arizona, which preseason you looked at maybe one of the most winnable games on the schedule. But Arizona in their third year under Jed Fish has shown quite a bit of progress where mm -hmm. CU hasn't. So, uh, Arizona's going to be a pretty heavy favorite in this game. Right. And and Ryan, 
I like Carl Durrell as a human being. I like Chris Wilson, the defensive coordinator, as a human being. These are these are good guys, and I truly believe that they're losing sleep and they're trying to do whatever they can to correct this. But I this is year that. three, and like I said, the progression of this staff from the beginning to where we were pleasantly surprised to now, it seems like it's gradually it's getting worse and worse Perfect. and worse. That said. I think the best thing for the long-term prognosis of this football program might be to go out to Tucson, get blown out like they have the first four games, because that would force Rick George to make a mid-season change at head coach. It just does not seem like this is fixable with his coaching staff. And I hate to say that again, because I like these guys. Got to get a lot better really fast or got to get a lot worse really fast too is basically it. I think, like you said, the long-term prognosis as much as we like some people, it you're not they're not always the best fit for the job. I think you can yeah. look at many NFL teams um, and see just the years of torment teams have gone through just for not making change or and and not making the right calls. Not it's a top down type of thing, certainly, um, but yeah, the the pressure's on from you know Rick George to the coaching staff and. University. I mean, you're a, you're a power five school. Um, at least you're supposed to be. And you know, there's going to be some more pain. I think coming uh, before some something happens, and it maybe could be. It could be a Herm Edwards situation where they catch him right even before he gets off the field and they fire him. Um, I feel for him. He's got a family. You know, he's a, he's a human too, um, but he's not out there coaching his family. Um, he's coaching for a university that wants excellence, expects excellence. Um, and when you deliver in a conference like this, uh, at a university like this, a team like this, when you deliver what you're delivering, um, you're just shortening your lifespan, honestly. And they've got a guy, Phil McGagan, who is their assistant head coach right now that, has got a lot of fire in his belly. He's a pretty dynamic personality. And, and I'm not suggesting that they go out to Arizona, lose, and Rick George fires Carl Durrell. They have the bye week that Phil McGagan's going to wave a magic wand, and all of a sudden they're going to be a team that's winning a lot of conference games. But can a guy that has more of a dynamic and charismatic personality than, than Carl Durrell does – could that have some positive impact in terms of what we're seeing results wise on, on the field? You got to remember, like you, you're coaching a team of 120, 130 young men. Um, and you have to be, you don't have to be something you're not, but you got to be charismatic, right? You have to give the energy, you know, go back reference, you know, Jim Levitt, once again, that man had energy. Um, and he had fight and, and grit, and he's always doing it out there with you. Uh, and he he makes it shown and known, right, when he, he has to talk to the media. And I, I know nobody, not everyone likes talking to the media, especially when you're in a situation like this. Um, but certainly, he seems passive to me. Um, and like I said, reserved, maybe calculated. Um, I think that works in a lot of situations, but when you're trying to rebuild a program and your program is declining, that doesn't work. 
Um, but at this point, too, if that's what he has shown um, as his personality and how he's going to coach, uh, it might not come off. At, if he if he flipped a switch, went 180, and became the most charismatic, um, energy-driving, giving coach, it would probably be perceived as fake or phony. Yeah. And yeah. now you're going to go ahead and change, and you don't you don't have the trust, you don't have the faith from from the guys. They're just going to sit. I've been in those locker rooms too. They're going to sit back and they're just going to badmouth you. And then when you're out there on the field, they don't respect you when you're giving them coaching points, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna smack their lips at you. They're gonna talk bad about you. They're not going to listen. They're not going to care to execute. So you don't have respect. Um, I think that's that's something that is obviously you know given to be earned as well back you have to give to, to get um but if that's what they've been getting for so long i think it'd be really hard for someone like Darrell to make a switch that sticks uh with the boys um you know it just it might just be too little too late if that makes sense and if they do make a mid-season change is there any relief that gets taken off the players in just a I don't know if I don't know what type of pressure each individual player is feeling right now as a result yeah. of the fact that their head coach is uh, on the hot seat in the student section is you know, uh-huh. chanting fire Carl Jarrell. But you you've got a bye week coming up. You could kind of catch your breath. Is there almost a different mentality as a player? You could go into those games if they did make that change that, that would have some positive be. kind of implication. Could be could be a fresh start. Um, could be an opportunity to, you know, look at it as, uh, a win, um, maybe new lifeblood again, though, um, it's up to the coaches and so the staff and then the players on how they, they handle and how they view it too. Um, there are so many different scenarios that can go into this. Uh, I think the major points that would need to be made and harped upon um would be effort execution and um you know attention to detail and if we can get those things turned around then you would see a big change um you know it might still end up with uh l's on the board losses right but um it wouldn't look like a butt whooping as much um it would look more of a like a fight and you know, you you can you can coach someone the playbook, um, but you can't coach effort. Um, and I know I said this before too. Like you can't tell the difference between someone who's timid and doesn't know what they're doing. Well, to be honest, it, it they either look timid out there currently or uh, lazy. So, um, could be the lifeblood that they would need. Certainly, um, it would just be interesting to see what would the next steps would be after that. So a lot to figure out, certainly. Um, I think expectations moving forward and and things, you know, for these boys that would be immediate impacts um, would be what I'm talking about with the attention to detail, um, being sound in alignment and assignments, open field tackling, effort. Um, those are all things that you can do, you personally can do to make a difference. Um <laughs> We're not we're not going for the 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 natty this year. I get that, but what can be what can be their own personal national title is what I'm interested, right? What what can be their 
their national title game. Um, and, and how are they going to get there? I just don't know if they're having those conversations and I don't know if it's being discussed what needs to change and how they're going to do it and deliver upon that. It's easy to go up there and speak words, um, but you need to give a solution and then you need to be able to execute on it. And uh, that's something that I'm seeing that needs to be changed, certainly along with you. Going into the season, the thought was, well, even if they have a, a rough 2022 season, so you can't yeah. afford to make a change because they still owe Carl Drill so much money. But I think, again, it's not just losing football games. It's the fashion in which they're losing to become a, a national embarrassment. It's gotten to the other side of it to where, in my eyes, they really can't afford to keep him as the head coach because uh, I think Folsom That's Field... That's something, too, that they're at that point. Um, al- alumni and and support staff and in communities, it's that that's saying something certainly. Yeah, we're we're four games in it. It feels like we've covered a whole season just because it's been so draining with all the negativity. But they still do have eight games left, Ryan. I don't know if you've looked at their schedule. November is one of the toughest Novembers they've ever had in terms of difficulty of schedule. It's not uh, getting easier. You were right about yeah. that. So they, they got eight games left. As you look at things right now, mm-hmm. what do you think should be the expectations? Is it, is it There's a lot of pressure on Owen McCown, right? Because certainly now you oh, think yeah. he's your quarterback and you know that other teams are going to be throwing it at him because he's a true freshman. Young guy, yeah. So, so um, you got to temper your expectations, but are there still some, some hopes that you would have as this team has still mm-hmm. two-thirds of their schedule left on the schedule? Well, you know, with what we saw with some of those backs and um, receivers and, and McCown, um, it's important to remember that you, you can't make a, a, a player fit the scheme. Um, and especially in a situation like this, it, it's not going to happen. And where what you need to do is fit your scheme to what you have. You know, you have to work with what you got. Um, now, other things like the attention to detail and the tackling on the defensive side of the ball is something that – can be fixed obviously with effort. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what they can do there, but you know, they got to put these boys in a better position for success. Um, Soft up front's not going to do it. So maybe they need to pad the box a little more um, and give him a little more protection or, or time to work with his feet. I saw him scramble and move around so much. And I was, that, that looks really great. You know, he's, he's trying to make something happen. Um, I can see it. I could see it in him on game day that uh, nerves nerves are there, but nerves are good, right? Nerves can be really good. Um, now he's got a, uh, some some game time under his belt. Um, hit around a little bit. He he knows what it's like instead of just wearing the red shirt at practice. <laughs> um, he definitely felt it. I'm sure this morning. Oh my up. goodness, boy needs to buckle up his helmet. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. And, you know, that, that targeting call, they got rid of Murphy, uh, number 11 there on the defense after he got smacked. Um, got rattled a little bit. Maybe he, he, needs, he needs to feel comfortable and settled. Um, so that starts with protection as well as, you know, the coaching and, and knowing the playbook. But he's got – they've got to give – they have to have plays in place to give this young man some some – you know, success to where he can have that confidence to take that next step. I I can see with him, I hope I can see it unless maybe I need to go get my LASIK checked, um, that he, he, 
he's right there and, and, and wants to be able to, to contribute and succeed and, and extend the plays, you know, um, getting everyone else on the same page is going to be hard. You know, there, there were, there were times he's extending the play out receivers are just, they're jogging it. They're jogging in the flat and they see he's scrambling. And now he at times can maybe point and try and direct, but this football don't, like I said, don't make it more than it is. Don't make the game more than it is. But when you're when you're out there playing, remember when you were having fun playing schoolyard football? Just go get open. All bets are off when he's out of the pocket and he's got to run around. You got to go help make, make help him make something happen, and and not give up on that play. So, um, you know, that success piece is something that's going to be huge in the confidence, and uh, it's going to be something that can be very uplifting for them. Um, but if they don't get that done for that young man, then it's going to be more of the same, unfortunately, I think. When you fire a head coach, you almost always see them look for candidates that have opposite qualities from the guy that they just fired. Uh-huh. And Carl Durrell hasn't been fired yet, but if and when he is, I think charisma is the number one thing you're looking for in the next coach, right? You, you mentioned a guy like Jim Levitt and the energy he brought. It just feels like CU in this football program, more than anything, just need a shot of energy into it. I couldn't agree more. They need that. They need that that caffeine boost in the yeah. afternoon, you know, uh, in the middle of the week. You know, they need that that that, that pre workout when you're tired and and you don't want to go lift, right? Well, there's work to be done. Um, and uh, being being buddies isn't going to get it done. And and I I think you're right there with charisma. And no, I just I don't know any other. I don't know any extremely successful coaches that aren't outwardly spoken about passion and not getting the things done. Um, and and in support for the boys. So um, I I would assume if and when that happens that you would see. Uh, a 180 degree shift there, honestly. Um, you know, maybe the, the, the step in coach, the, who, you know, the assistant coach will, could get that done as well, but is that the best thing long-term? I'm not sure. Um, you know, and, and it's not easy to come play in Colorado and it takes a special type of person, a special type of player and people who are tough. Um, I'm not saying Carl Durrell isn't tough, but like we keep talking about with uh, charisma and that shot of energy. Um, being somber isn't going to get that done. Well, it could get interesting around here, Ryan. We'll see what happens out in Tucson. I'm heading down for the game. and okay. I'm going to get around to golf and get some Mexican food. I, I've decided with these road trips that I, I'm going to try to make – Yeah. try to find fun in the trip. So. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Um, and like I said earlier, with, with silver linings, um, there's a lot, of, a lot of young guys who, who are excited to be out there and, and give, their, give their effort. Um, and for them, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for them to, to maybe embarrass or not embarrass, excuse me, embrace the opportunity to, to take it on themselves. You know, if the coaches aren't going to get it done for them, they're the ones out there trying to execute. So they should be having fun too, right? They should be, uh, giving themselves some lifeblood and could be too little too late as well. But, um, you know, there is something to be learned from all this and that is, um, there's room for people to step up in leadership and not not wait for someone else to do it. You know, take the initiative and let's uh, let's see what you can make happen. You know, and magic is made with effort, in my opinion.
All right, Ryan. Well, one of these days, fingers crossed, we'll talk about a CU victory. It hasn't uh, happened yet, and I don't know if it's going to happen again this year. We'll, we'll find out. But uh, it was great, great to get your insight from a former player and, and what these guys are dealing with. And uh, I hope CU fans out there enjoyed our, our latest therapy session. That's what I. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not yeah. a podcast anymore. It's it's a therapy session. Yeah, we got to <laughs> talk you. talk through all the issues. As I've learned, we all need it. Um, and you know, if there's any other questions um please reach out write out let us know um i i'd like to hear more about other you know aspects or, or perceptions on on what's going on and, and you know maybe particular solutions that could be you know good for these boys and gotta remember they are kids and you know we all uh need some help sometimes so i'm yeah. looking forward to for us to talking about a, a win someday whether that's uh uh, off of uh, an actual W on the board or the effort or execution, you know, um, and those guys, they have my full support and I know they do have yours as well. And, um, I think I'm, I'm pulling for them and let's see if we can make something happen this year. All right. Appreciate you, Ryan and appreciate everybody. For hey, thank in. you. I appreciate it as always, Adam.